past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad that you joined us here today and you're going to be glad that you joined us here today because we have a guest who has very interesting background and those of you in leadership or those of you who are in job search are going to love to hear what he has to say. Our guest today is Jason Barron and he received his MBA from Brigham Young University and now is a creative leader focused on innovation and digital product strategy. He lives in Salt Lake City. He wrote a book called The Visual MBA and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. You know, when I think about all the people today who get an MBA and are kind of struggling to differentiate it in the marketplace and figure out how it adds value. This topic is just so timely. So thank you for joining us here today, Jason, to share your information. It's a pleasure, Marie. Thank you for having me on your show. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into going for your MBA in the first place. Yeah. So it all kind of starts back a number of years ago, I was going to Southern Virginia University getting my undergrad, and I was focused on, uh, it was a liberal arts school, I was focused on um, information science, multimedia design, and I had this really big interest in 3D animation, And but as I went to school, I, I also gained an interest in web design, and I had a professor who was a volunteer for one semester, actually, he, his name was Don Clark, he was an amazing professor. And he had been the president of Lord & Taylor, which is a large retail chain back east. And he planted in me a seed, uh, and, and it's, it's stuck with me ever since. He gave me the best advice ever. He just said that the world is full of problem identifiers, and what the world needs is more problem solvers. And so that really stuck with me, and he, and he was always challenging us to find a better way to do things. And so he, kinda, he planted that seed and, and instilled an entrepreneurial bug in me as well. So... After college, I worked at a, a game studio, a video game studio, for a couple of years, and that entrepreneurial bug kind of was, was, was biting at me, and so I started a small website called StockUpFood.com that allowed people to, to calculate how much food they would need in an emergency and other supplies, and, and um, I, I kind of realized that the, the gaming industry wasn't something that I really wanted to continue in. It wasn't totally conducive for a family. I was, I was married. I had a, a child at that time, one child. And, and so I, I moved to a marketing company. And then uh, from that marketing company doing web design and graphic design, um, I was looking elsewhere and I had a couple job offers uh, around web design. And around that same period of time, that entrepreneurial bug, again, kind of started biting at me. And, and um, I, I was a founding partner of a company called Lois Med that helps people find the lowest price of their prescriptions. And it was actually just last year, it was acquired by Retail Me Not in 2018. And, and so I, I um, from, from that marketing company, one of, those, one of those job offers was a large nonprofit organization um, that's worldwide. And I started as a, a designer there, then became a technical program manager. So I was managing 
uh, some products that had a couple hundred thousand users on there and became a creative manager. So then I was managing these large teams and uh, we had a number of creative directors and designers and analytics and, and um, awareness uh, professionals. And, and then from there, um, took uh, the responsibility over one of our products that has um, tens of millions of, of visitors and and uh, it, it's been a great, uh, great learning experience kind of through this career. And I, I have always wanted to get in an MBA. And I was just kind of wondering, what, what should I, what, when, when should I go? When, uh, you know, how should I do that? And I, in counseling with my wife, she just said, hey, it's a great time. Let's just do this. We'll, we'll do this together. And so um, I decided to help advance my career and, and gain some really good skills that are taught in, in business school I decided to get my MBA at BYU. So I, I, I did that, and it was a fantastic experience. I, I loved it. Yeah, and you were working at the time, so you got to implement some of the things that you were learning, but you also saw that the information maybe wasn't presented in a way that um, could be easily captured, or something led you to create this idea of the visual MBA. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so... At the, at the beginning of the, well, even even before uh, I started the program, there's this concept called sketch notes. Essentially what that is, is it's when people, uh, when they're listening to a lecture or a conference or some kind of learning, they're taking visual notes. And there's been studies that show that taking visual notes helps with retention and, and also they're more consumable later. And so when I was getting my MBA, I thought, you know what, there's no one that's been crazy enough to try and do uh, a sketch notes of the entire MBA program. And so I started doing them in class uh, really to, to benefit myself, but I saw the students in class, my, my classmates who were sitting next to me, were just so intrigued by these notes I was taking. And they were saying, hey, when you're done with, when you're done with the MBA in two years, I would love a copy of the book. And, and as, I've shown, as I've shown people uh, these visuals, they understand the concepts faster, uh, the um, I, I, I've just been really surprised by the level of interest and, and excitement around this concept of visual notes. And so at the end of the program, I launched a Kickstarter um, for, for uh, people that aren't familiar with what Kickstarter is. It's, a, it's called crowdsourcing um, funding uh, application platform. And so I, I thought, hey, I'll, I'll put it out there for, you know, setting a goal for a certain amount. And it ended up within 28 days raising a thou- over a 1,000% of the goal um, from over 40 countries around the world. And so there was a lot of interest in people that have, have, uh, have gotten the book, have been really excited about it and the concept and, and the visual nature of it and, and feel like it really gives them a, a really good grasp on these business principles that have seemed kind of mysterious in the past. Interesting. So you were able to put together all your visual sketch notes and – of course, people are reading this now. Your book, did it just come out or is it coming out soon? Yeah, matter of fact, it releases on April 16th, which is tomorrow. So um, the, the initial book was the Kickstarter. And then uh, this this book has been, it's being published by Hood Myth and Harcourt, which is a large publisher back east. And uh, there's been some enhancements to the book and, and some new visuals and a, a new cover. And so it'll be available everywhere um, tomorrow. Okay. And 
but you came at this with a little bit different lens. Well, I guess people come to an MBA with all different types of lenses, but you brought in some specific background managing technical and creative teams. Tell me a little bit about the insights from that that kind of brought a different lens to the MBA than others might have. Yeah, I I love I love managing people, and and I've I've learned that. When I've, I've managed the, the technical teams, the approach is slightly different than managing large creative teams. And the the commonality that I've seen is that it's all about people, and and people have needs and 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 um, aspirations. And so, I learned the importance of in managing people, just establishing a vision and having clear roles and expectations, and and providing candid feedback to people. Um, I know everyone pr- uh, appreciates knowing kind of where they're at. And I think uh, an issue that we have today in the workplace is a lot of people are being communicated to by their managers or others on how they're doing. And so I, I think it's a, um, a a great opportunity to um, ask for feedback uh, if, of managers if that's not happening. And as managers, if there are managers listening to this, um, kind of evaluating and seeing how well we are providing feedback to our people. And I, I, I learned... And managing those people, it's it's, it's really the, the same in that respect. The technical side really needs that rigidity and kind of a schedule and process at times. And more creative teams need a little bit more flexibility in how they accomplish things. But as a manager, it's about creating the environment for success and, and letting that creative process happen. And, and for myself, managing the creative teams, uh, that's that's when I was getting my MBA. It really helped me. Uh, think outside the box, and that's I, really I think it's it, that's where part of that idea of doing the visual MBA kind of came. It was thinking about outside the box of what's what's an approach that no one else has taken before, and I think um, actually I, I have a strong feeling that regardless of people's backgrounds, they can they can kind of put a creative lens on things and think outside the box and think about different ways of approaching a problem that may not have been obvious to them before, but may have um, wonderful opportunities. So that's, that's the background of, of, of that piece. Well, that kind of comes back around full circle to what you said you learned from that professor around the world needing more problem solvers and not um, just more problem identifiers. And if you could do that as a, in a creative way, and then you got the opportunity to lead teams of people who were focused on solving problems in creative ways, and that always helps us just really get it when you teach other people and you see other people and you get to work in teams where other people are really walking that walk, if you will, it's easy to say, Oh, we should be creative or we should think outside of the box. Um, but it sounds like you actually got the opportunity to work with a group of people who are making that a reality every day. Absolutely. And I, I think everybody has creative potential and I think it's about uh, a manager and, and others um, giving permission, really, and, and showing it as, as an example, it's okay to think outside the box. I think a lot of people are sometimes in the creative process are scared of failure, and I think failure is just part of the creative process as well. So creating an environment where people can look for a better way of doing things, like you had mentioned that professor challenged me and, and with that advice, and being okay to, to stumble and make mistakes, but um, learning from those, uh, w- you know, taking that approach to, to be willing to take risks and sometimes make mistakes, but in the end, it will pay dividends. You'll have much greater results 
if, if that's the approach you take. Yeah, so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk with Jason a little bit more about the book and what the visual MBA really means, the value that it, it has for the reader. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about his experience hiring and what he was looking for when he was hiring so that those of you might who might be in that role, either of hiring or looking for work, can glean from his expertise and experience in that realm. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking to Jason Barron, author of The Visual MBA, and we've been talking a bit about his experience with his MBA and sketch noting, which we'll talk about a little bit more here again in just a minute, and then about the background that he brought into that MBA as a leader of both technical and creative teams. As a coach and a branding specialist, I've worked with people on both ends of that spectrum, and maybe it's not a spectrum, I don't know, but the creative folks and the technical folks you might see as having very different approaches, but in some ways very similar. Although the technical people are more structured, they also have to take a creative approach to their problem-solving And that, as you said, Jason, was kind of your catalyst for doing something different with your MBA was having been around this idea of thinking outside of the box, which I always laugh because that's like the least out of the box thing to say, (laughs) but it's the best way to describe what we're trying to talk about. Right. That's that's exactly right. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to... 
agree with you. That's exactly right. I, I, taking taking a look at problems in a different perspective, seeing it in different ways, um, and, and it is cliche thinking outside the box, but it is true. I think a lot of times people get comfortable in the box, and and uh, and so just the, the more people that can that can kind of kind of put their head up and look above the clouds a little bit and kind of see a different perspective, um, the the better off we'll be as a as a society, really. Yes, and it it's um, I think people like to think that they can do this, but it's not necessarily easy for a lot of us to be creatively problem solving. And when you were hiring people for these roles, how did you go by identifying people that could actually really think outside of the box and didn't just say that on their resume? Right, right. Well, well. First off, the resume process is really important. It, it, it kind of speaks a lot about the individual. Uh, there, there's kind of three things that I'm, I'm looking for in a resume to begin with, and, and one is that it's well-designed. It's not just because I, I have a creative background and I'm hiring creative people a lot of times. It's really, it shows that they care, that they're willing to put their best foot forward, that they're paying attention to detail. The second thing is that to really focus on the job at hand. I can't tell, tell you how many resumes I've looked at where you could tell based on the resume they hadn't uh, adapted it uh, to, the, to the job description. They had basically said, well, this is who I am, and so we're, I'm applying for the job, and so here's my resume. And I, I read a book by Stuart Diamond, who uh, uh, was a professor at, at Wharton. He wrote a book called Getting More, and he talked about, um, at a seminar one time, he talked about, how there was an individual he was working with that had a hard time getting a job. And he asked him about his resume, and he, he said, are you, are you changing your resume at all? And he just said, no, I'm, I'm giving the same resume to all the different companies. He just said, I'll, I'll challenge you to, um, for the next, the next five positions that you're applying for, change the resume up to what their needs are, not who, necessarily who you are, but what are their needs and how are you going to, based on your experience, help them solve those um, issues that they're running into. And he said he had when he did that, he had multiple offers from these companies. And so that's one thing I, I really look at and, and would um, strongly encourage a lot of your listeners to, to think about as well. And the third thing is just the results, how they achieved creative results in the past, what problems have they solved. And I, I think in the, in the interview process, asking questions that kind of show a depth of thinking a little bit about you know, not just your – your uh, answers that, you know, someone would typically respond with, but really looking at a deeper level and and making sure you're framing the questions in a way that allows them to have some depth instead of, you know, yes or no questions or or kind of your typical questions, asking them about how they solved the problem one time. What was the process that you went through to solve this problem that you ran into? Or what is one of the largest problems you've, you've, you've had, you've ran into and how did you solve that? I think those type of questions really help understand when you see how people walk through a problem, their ability to kind of think differently and think outside the box and think about, you know, maybe an approach that most people wouldn't think about. And that's a really good way to look at that and, you know, in evaluating potential candidates for a position creatively. Yeah. And so there's that, um, I think people know that they should target their resumes, but a lot of times they're thinking about it in more of the keyword sense, right? On the very 
surface. Right. I'm going to target it for the keywords. But what you're saying is to think about the problems that this new employer would need you to solve and being able to speak directly to problems that you solved that are similar in the past. How can you tell the stories of problems that you've solved in the past that are similar? And I see people struggle with that because they don't know or they get too caught up in um, maybe even talking about the problem and not necessarily the solution. Or they right. get into this very salesy place, um, you know, here's your problems and I can solve them. And I don't know, maybe you've never had this, but I have people reach out to me all the time saying, your website looks horrible, let me fix it. And I'm like, hmm, that's just not the best sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You know, there's an art to telling someone what their problem is. And um, people don't, most people, I, I feel like, don't understand how to do that. So, um it's very interesting to think about targeting at a deeper level, not just that keywords, but to really think about what are the what's this company's needs, what are their problems, and how can I show how I've solved similar problems in the past? Because in doing that, we can show the new company how we would solve their problems without having to say, "Hey, your website looks horrible. Let me fix. Let me help you fix it." Exactly. Yeah, it kind of goes back to that that initial statement from Don Clark, where he said the world is full of problem identifiers, but the world needs is problem solvers. And I, I, people, people are really good at pointing out issues, but, ne- but how much different would it be for you, Marie, if someone said, Hey, I, I analyzed your website. Here are the top three ideas I would have on, on possibly improving it. would love to talk more about it. Uh, I think that's, that's a much different approach. And the same thing could be the case in a resume to say, Hey, you know, I noticed you had these objectives or these issues that you're running into. Here's how my experience has contributed to similar issues, solving similar issues in the past. And here are some potential ideas that I've been thinking about in preparation for this interview of, of some things that you might want to consider. So it just shows, it shows someone that's taking initiative and, and thinking about uh, the actual problem and not in a salesy way, but it shows some depth, like you're saying. Yeah, and I, I, one of the other challenges I see people talking about is kind of fear of sharing those ideas because people are just going to take them and use them. And I just, um, maybe it's naive. I always feel like it's hurts us more when we live in fear than it hurts anyone else. And if you don't share any of your creative ideas because you're so worried that people are going to steal them, ideas are a dime a dozen. Execution is what takes the work. And most of the time when I see people who have great ideas and don't share them, it hurts them more than sharing them would. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but not to be afraid I, to share our innovative ideas because it, of fear. I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. When I was doing the visual MBA in class and, and I was taking these sketch notes, I would ask for feedback from people and I would just, I would just say, Hey, what do you think about something like this? And, and anyone could in the class could have said, Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to try and take that. I, but I didn't care. I'm, 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 like you had mentioned, most of it's in execution, and and so you, you have to be you have to be willing to put yourself out there and and uh, and and be willing to because if you put yourself out there, you'll actually get the feedback that you need to to really make whatever you're working on more successful. And so, I, again, I couldn't agree with you more that we can't live in fear of taking ideas or or anything like that. We have to just just get our ideas out there and and get a pulse on 
what other people have as far as feedback goes and, and how you can improve. Yeah, and then your edge is going to be your execution, which of course you have now done. Tell us a little bit more about the Visual MBA and what people will get from reading it. Like, What will they be able to do differently when they're done reading your book or when they've, I don't know, maybe it's not something necessarily that, that you read from end to end, but you put on your bookshelf as a reference as well. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm glad you asked that. It's Really, it, it is a reference guide, and I, I see it as a reference guide for action. So a lot of times you'll read, you'll read a book, look at a book and say, oh, that was, that was really great. And, you know, you move on to the next book. I, I see this as an opportunity for people to, to read through, gain some knowledge of these different concepts, these business principles, and then apply them that day. Apply them at work the next day um, in, in their families or with their children or whatever it is. There's, there's essentially each chapter is a, a class. And it's packed with concepts about, you know, coming up with great ideas, how to launch a startup, how to manage uh, financial statements. There's just so much in there. It's so broad that if someone is, say, looking to hire people or, or someone is looking at how to be a better performer, or how to sharpen an idea that they have for a startup, and they can kind of go back, they can go to that chapter and, and focus on it. Um, but it, it really is, uh, I had an individual um, email me and just say they're so grateful that they have it on their shelf. And um, it, it really should be that, that thing you can go to time and time again. It's not a sit down, read once, and be done with it. it it's something that you go back to often. And I've had um, managers buy uh, many copies for their employees so that way they have a common language and, and common principles to talk through. And so it really is a quick reference guide that can help people take action in areas they may not have uh, done before for maybe a lack of opportunity or maybe a fear, like you mentioned, or other things, but it, it gives people an edge and gives them the ability to see these business principles that are taught and really start applying them in their lives for greater results. Yeah. I and it's as you said it's sketch notes from the MBA so I'm guessing that it's very visual easy to grasp topics and and something that you can apply for a difference and one of the things I see with the MBA right now in the market there's a lot of people that have it doesn't necessarily mean that they can implement the concepts and it's really the implementation of those concepts that makes you a better leader, makes you a better contributor to your corporation. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to implement the concepts and, and share it with my network. So I really appreciate you sharing about the book and coming on to give your expertise. And I know it'll be helpful to people who've been looking for work and who are leaders within organizations. So Jason Barron, the visual MBA comes out on April 16th, get it. And I look forward to interacting with you more, Jason, as I'm about to move to Salt Lake city um, next week. So I'll be in your neighborhood. I'll look you up. That's wonderful. wonderful. Please Please do. I'd love to do lunch with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been wonderful. Yes, yes. Well, if you're listening, we're going to say goodbye and thank you to Jason. We'll be back in just a few minutes to debrief and dive deeper. We look forward to seeing all of you back here on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. And thank you again, Jason, for joining us on the show. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we're glad that you're joining us here today. And hopefully you enjoyed listening to Jason Barron author of the visual MBA and this book brings up a lot of points when we think about why this book why now how does it add value the first thing that I was struck by was how it illustrates the power of visuals and the increasing power of visuals in our lives there's so many details some we're so overwhelmed really with words and there's a lot of research that shows how people are just not reading and visuals get noticed they get read because it's a quick easy way to gather information our brain processes visuals so much quicker and so when I think about this idea that, that Jason had to sketch note, and if you've ever seen this, a lot of times you'll see it done in videos where they sketch note the, the class or whatever it might be. And it's a drawing, right? Real fast drawing. Obviously takes some artistic ability that I don't necessarily have. But it's also the birth of the instigator for whiteboard videos, which you see a lot as explainer videos about programs or topics. Um, that's that's very similar to sketchnoting. So the visuals powerful we learn from them so much faster and that's part of why this book is going to be successful as we think about the concepts of an MBA and when you learn things in a class yeah you might go through a project but then you have to go home or go to the real world and work and try to implement what was taught and wouldn't it be great to have this visual back to to refer to 
when I think about the power of visuals and the other things Jason was talking about in terms of hiring and helping you stand out with your resume, there's... I see two very um, polar opposite camps around visuals and resumes. I've got my very traditional, staunch executive resume writers who say, oh, none of my clients want visuals in them. And my guess is that they're missing out a little bit. Then I've got the infographic folks who are making very graphic resumes that may or may not be effective. So as I usually do, try to find some middle ground and think about what is a visual in a resume and what does it do? Jason, very good point on the power of targeting your resumes, not just targeting at the very keyword surface level, but also targeting at the level of being able to show a company how you've solved problems that are similar to the problems you know they're experiencing now. If you could do that with a visual, it's going to pop. It's going to get seen. It's going to get seen way more frequently than the words. It's going to get that FaceTime that we want when we send somebody something to read or or look at. Visuals do that. Visuals capture attention. So if you're using visuals on a resume, they better be effective. Because if you're using visuals on a resume that are just cutesy or fun or my pet peeve, the graph bar graphs of how great you are at skills, when it's a self-reported means nothing skill, not that the skill means nothing, but your report of how good you are means nothing. And honestly, skills aren't a differentiator anyways, but experience problem-solving results are. And if you can use visuals that draw attention to those things, draw the eye to differentiators, draw the eye to results and value, that's what visuals should be used for in a resume. How can you use visuals to draw the eye there? Cutesy things are nice and they might make it look modern. They're not going to strategically help you do what Jason was talking about, which is show how you're an innovator, show how you can, quote unquote, think outside the box. You can't just say that. You have to be able to show that and best to show that with results, even better to show that with results that are demonstrated in some kind of visual. Visuals just have so much power. And the idea of this visual MBA is so on right now with what's going on in the market in terms of communication. People want it fast, easy, visual. That's why Instagram is blowing up, right? So when we think about that point around visuals and visuals being so powerful. You also want to think about other visuals that you can use to help your case. If you're a manager or leader, how can you use visuals more with your teams to motivate them, to explain things, to describe process, indicate movement, motivation, measurement, how can you use those visuals? And a lot of tools are, are coming on the market to help you do that better. Um, I was just, I use SurveyMonkey to do some of the surveys that I do. And of course, they have new resources now where they'll put the results into some visuals for you to aid in this communication. And if you're not a great artist, you don't have to be, because of course there's new systems now that will whiteboard video things for you, or you can pay companies fairly cheaply to create a whiteboard video for you. 
there's no reason that our lack of artistic ability, speaking from experience, should get in the way of us doing this and making things more visual and, by the way, even more video so that we can use the power of visual and video to get our points across. The other thing that Jason talked about was managing teams and and hiring and how he was managing teams and saw that they were creative problem solving. And now when he's hiring, of course, he's looking for people who are creative problem solvers. This is a hard thing to show. Everybody wants to say they're innovative. It's one of those buzzwords that right now really doesn't mean much because I want you to be able to show me that. And if you're a manager, even better if you can show me, tell tell me, show me proof that you've built innovation within a team. And I, I wrote down Jason's phrase was creating an environment that encourages that creativity, creating an environment that helps people feel like they can fail. Um, How are you doing that as a leader? How are you doing that as a manager? That's going to be a differentiator moving forward as people are looking for more innovation, as people are looking for that edge. It's really around building that environment and creating teams that can be creative and it's around the execution. So the last thing that Jason, uh, the topic that we got on to was about this fear of someone stealing my great idea. Great ideas are a dime a dozen. There's so many great ideas. And in fact, at my um, board retreat, just a few um just a few weeks ago, we were talking about, we were doing a SWOT for the organization, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I challenged them that every time they came up with an opportunity, they had to also have a strength, weakness, or threat to go along with it because it is so easy, so easy to think about opportunities, to brainstorm ideas. What's hard is prioritizing really prioritizing based on how it will add value to your customers, your market, whatever it is. And of course, executing. And those two things are almost inverse, especially for a lot of creatives. I was reading an article on this the other day that creatives have a lot of anxiety because they have so many ideas. And there's a, that's that's hard to have all these ideas and not be able to execute them all. Um, And it's also pretty typical. Most people are not great at executing. Most people have a lot of ideas and can't get them done. Well, I shouldn't say most people. You can be an outstanding idea generator, but if you're not executing it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make you any separation, doesn't separate you at all from those people who may not have as many great ideas. Because if they're good at executing, even the few good ideas that they have, it's going to put them apart. When we think about our careers, when we think about ourselves as leaders, as employees, it's important to balance that the value that we place on innovation and executing, innovation and actually solving those problems. And how we communicate that is so important. 
it's probably not the first time you've heard someone talk about there's a lot of people who can identify problems, but very few people that come with solutions. It's one of my least favorite things about being a, a leader is having those people on your team that are great at pointing out problems, but never come with solutions. And how do you help someone develop that ability to not only identify the problem, but to feel comfortable and confident enough to propose a solution and then how do you as a leader get out of your own ego to accept that solution, to let the person try it their way instead of having to do it your way because execution is going to fall off significantly when they have to do it your way. Encourage them to do it their way and make it acceptable to fail. This idea of failure is gets in our way so much this well two things the idea of of fear the fear of someone else taking our idea or someone else doing what we want to do it prevents us from as jason was talking about getting feedback making that idea better making sure it jives with our audience there are so many things that we get when we aren't afraid to share that idea maybe even before we're going to execute it and two this fear of failure prevents us from taking the risks that we need to take to be successful I was sitting and talking to someone about failure the other day and just thinking about how failure for most of us, most of the time, isn't something that anybody else would really even know was a failure. We're not talking about failing so that we lose our job. When we have that thought in our head, usually it's a false narrative. We're talking about failing and and maybe we aren't going to look good or maybe someone's not going to like us as much or maybe someone's going to find out that we did something quote unquote wrong. What does failure really look like for you? And if you're realistic about it, it probably isn't as bad as you think it is. However, the real failure might be not taking those risks Because then you are destined to be doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, give you some ideas of how you might use these concepts to take your career to the next level. And, of course, give you some places that you can find out more about Jason's book that launches April 16th. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. 
That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Jason Barron, um, B-A-R-R-O-N, who is the author of a book that's a that's coming out um, April sixteenth, twenty nineteen, and his last name B A R R O N Jason Barron the Visual MBA. Now, what I love about what he's talking about, and we touched on this just a minute ago, is the visual aspect. I want you to think about putting that on your to do list. How can you use visuals more? in your work, in your job search, in your branding. It's easy to poo-poo them and say it's just a fad. There's a lot of brain-based research that says they're powerful. They're powerful for you. How can you use more of them? If you're an entrepreneur, how can you use more of them on your website and your social media? If you're a job seeker, how can you use more of them and in your in your resume appropriately, and perhaps even in on your personal website, your LinkedIn profile, your other social media. There's a lot of power there. And if you're a leader, how are you using visuals to engage and, and communicate to your team? One of the new things that people have started doing is visual voicemails, which doesn't mean it's transcribing it into text, which I love, but video voicemails and or, or even audio voicemails and people love that because they can read it if they're driving they can listen to it and know how your audience wants to be communicated with but listen to what they're not saying in addition to what they are saying so they might say oh i don't like video well why and what does that really mean well it might mean that they don't like to listen to video because they're always working there on their computer so how do you adapt to meet that need or how do you appeal to both types of of people in your audience but more visuals how do you do that how do you use visuals to learn how do you use visuals to teach because they are very effective in doing those things then to think about how you communicate your problems 
solving and really think and, and listen to yourself when you communicate a problem are you just identifying the problem or are you also co-creating solutions offering solutions to people that you are not just that person who's always identifying that that problem it's frustrating for the people that we work with if we get into that habit and I, I think we all do it at some point whether it's that we're in a, a pessimistic phase or we're struggling or just not feeling creative at the moment or don't feel like we have the resources to offer those solutions to really notice how you bring up those problems how you offer those solutions and how you can connect in different ways when you're communicating especially in our job search and our job communications to be offering solutions, creatively communicating problems that we see employers might have, making sure we've done the research before we point out those problems and that we communicate them in a way that offers those solutions. And Jason did that very eloquently here on, on the call. So you can go back and listen to that at some point. He reframed my bad example of people contacting someone and saying, hey, your website looks horrible. Can I fix it for you? How you communicate that matters. The last is this idea around innovation and risk. If you're a leader and you don't feel like your team is being innovative, it may be because they don't have the culture of failure being okay, of questioning being okay, of, of people having conflict, good, healthy conflict needs to be there for you to have innovation on your team. If you're an individual and you feel stuck or stymied, how can you take little risks, step out, do something different than you've done it before to get that innovation Turn churning to think about how you can take it to the next level for yourself, for those that you work with, and in those communications. And fear, fear of failure, fear of someone taking your idea, realizing what really matters in innovation being open to feedback, being open to collaboration, doing that wisely, of course, and noticing when those fears are, are getting in the way of stepping out and doing something different. It There's so many books out there on MBAs. Obviously, there's so many MBAs out there. When I saw this first, at first, yeah, kind of a dime a dozen. And then I dove into it a little bit and I realized what Jason was doing here was different. It is innovative. There's, it fits the current brain-based research. And to put out a new piece of literature in a space that is so flooded and so established, if you will, I don't even know if he knows or thinks about it this way because it seems to be something that has been ingrained with with him since he was early on in his career. But to step into that space and have not necessarily the confidence, 
but the willingness to overlook this, the fear of failure, the voices that might be saying, oh, there's already enough in that space to be confident that he has something different that's going to add value. And maybe even just to do your research, know that there's the naysayers, listen to the naysayers enough to make sure that you're not making a mistake but not listening to the naysayers so much that you let them get in the way of you doing that thing that's going to take it to the next level. So when you really are stepping out and you're doing something different, there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people that say it's not going to work. And you have to be able to parse apart. Are those real things that I should be concerned about? Or is that just noise that I have to block out as I go on my quest to be innovative and to do something different. So Visual MBA, Jason Barron, hopefully you'll grab a copy, help you take your leadership to the next level, whether you have an MBA or not, a great reference guide to have on your bookshelf. If there's a topic that you'd like us to cover or a speaker that you think should be on the show, we're always welcome, always listening, always open to your ideas. Feel free to email them to me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we'll be joining you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another guest to talk about another tool and resource that you need to take your career to the next level. We'll be here again next week and look forward to seeing you on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 